The Money Pit is presented by Diamond Crystal Salt. The benefits are bigger than you expected. After all, you're worth your salt. Diamond Crystal Salt. A brilliant choice since 
it'll pop through, and then you sort of brush the carpet, and you'll that nail will disappear below it, and you won't see it again. So you can get away with actually fixing a squeak through carpet with this trick of the trade. Oh, wow. That would be awesome. And again, could you tell me the type of nail one more time? Yeah, number 10 or number 12 galvanized finish nail. Okay, number 10 or number 12 floor joist at a 15-degree angle. Yeah, but you got to find that joist or, you're, or you can't be nailing into air. You know, you want to make sure you're nailing into the floor joist, okay? Okay, thanks so much. You have an awesome show. All right. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Paul in Michigan needs some help with a cabinet refinishing project. What's going on? Well, I have some cabinets I'm refinishing, and I've, um, I have polyurethane over a stain on these cabinets. Okay. And I, I'm wondering whether I should put an oil-based uh, primer on there or a latex primer. I've had several different opinions. Are you painting them? Yes. Okay. Have you done anything to sort of scuff up the surface to make it a little bit more susceptible to that primer? I've got some sandpaper, 180 sandpaper, and I'm going to start scuffing them. Yeah, because that's really the first step. You want to rough up that surface a little bit to make it more ready to have that primer adhere as best as it's going to to the surface. You can use um, regular sandpaper. You can use a little, you know, orbital sander. You can actually even use something called a liquid sander which is a liquid material that you brush on, and that sort of roughs up the surface as well. Basically, you just want to clean it and scuff up that surface and, you know, mar into that polyurethane a bit so that primer will stick. Now, between the oil and the latex, you know, you're in a situation where you've got a lot of moisture, a lot of dirt and grime, and oil-based primer... I think is going to adhere best to a cabinet situation and then allow your paint to adhere well as, you know, as a result. Okay. And then should I use an oil-based paint as well? No, I could, I would use a latex top coat, something with a gloss or a urethane over a matte finish just so that you get a good sheen that's easily cleanable. If you're going with a urethane or a, some sort of top coat, you want to make sure that it's non-yellowing because in kitchens, for some reason, all of that humidity and that grime tends to yellow those surfaces. Well, thank you very much. That's very helpful. You're very welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Now you can call in your home repair or your home improvement question 24 hours a day, seven days a week at 1-888-MONEY-PIT. 888-666-3974. Up next, an easy and quick way to take some of the work out of paint prep. The Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show continues after this. You live in a Money Pit. The Money Pit is presented by Aero Sheds, the leader in steel storage sheds and buildings. Steel sheds are durable, secure, and a great value. Aero Storage Products, available at National Home Centers, hardware stores, and online. See a complete line of products at sheds.com. Where home solutions live, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. The number here is 888-MONEY-PIT. We love to hear from you and give you a hand with your home improvement questions, but we also love to give you some things to get those jobs done a little easier. So this hour, one lucky caller that we talked to on the air is going to win a $100 gift card to the Home Depot from Owens Corning. 
Now you can use it to add some insulation to your attic, which really is a quick and easy way to help you save on those heating and cooling bills, and it'll help you maintain a warm, comfortable home this winter. And if that's a project on your to-do list, Owens Corning has a very environmentally friendly insulation called EcoTouch. It's 99% natural, and more than half of it is made up of recycled materials. Plus, it's soft to the touch and formaldehyde free. Learn more by calling one eight 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 get pink and pick up the phone and call us at eight 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 Money Pit right now for the answer to your home improvement question and your chance to win that one hundred dollar gift card to the Home Depot. Now we've got Rick in Nebraska on the line who's dealing with a sink and driveway. Tell us what's going on. Um, it's starting to uh, drop down the house. It's a townhouse actually, and it's only about eight years old. What's happening is my uh, driveway is sinking down about an inch and a half from my garage floor and i don't know for sure how to cure this it's starting to crack down i've got a crack about uh, probably six foot going down from the garage so tell me something rick it because it's a townhouse are you responsible for the driveway yes i am okay Hmm. well unfortunately the, the reason it happens is and especially in the newer townhouse like this is it's obviously the last thing that's installed and all of the soil that was excavated to build that townhouse settles and it settles a lot in the first decade that the home is up and you know the the driveway they probably didn't do a very good job tamping down that soil and properly repairing the base so that's kind of what you're stuck with so your options are to put an additional layer on the driveway or to tear it up and you know build it anew from scratch and, and kind of do it right I would be tempted, since it's down an hour and a half, since it's down an inch and a half, to put another layer on that because the settlement on it is probably fairly slow. And I think you could probably get away with putting another layer on and, and, and get away with it for several years. And, and then at that point, if it, if it settles any further, you can go ahead and tear it up. Uh, but you might want to get prices both ways because if you tear it up and you put in a proper stone base and it's tamped correctly, the driveway doesn't have to ever crack. But the standards in terms of, you know, what makes a, a, a good driveway have to be kind of established. You know, a, a driveway is a light-duty version of a road. And you don't see roads sink and crack that readily, but you see them more with driveways because the contractors don't, you know, put the stone depth into it. They don't compact it like you do a road. And, and you can do all that and have a driveway be permanent. But I think I would also think about how long I'm going to be in the townhouse. If it's a really long-term home for me, then I'm more likely to make a, a, a deeper investment than if it's a short-term home. Wendy in Iowa, you've got the money pit. How can we help you today? I bought a large commercial building in a historic downtown of Atlantic, Iowa. Oh, that sounds nice. It had it had a roof leak, and we have repaired that. We've put a new roof on. Um, but there was a lot of damage to the second-story ceiling, which was lath and plaster. Okay. And we want to put a loft um, a residential loft up on the upstairs. Okay. Um, we have about 1,500 square foot of lath and plaster that needs to come down. So my question is, is there something that's available as an aid to funnel all of that dirt and lath and plaster down off of the ceiling and out to a dumpster. Yeah. Let me give you some suggestions. Having been through this very repair in, in my home, which was all lath and plaster, I went about remodeling rooms in different stages. The first time I decided I would take all the lath and plaster out and drywalled right on top of the original studs. 
And after going through that mess, I decided it wasn't as important as I'd once thought to take the lath and plaster out. And the next time I did it, I simply put a second layer of drywall over the old lath and plaster and screwed through that drywall up into the ceiling joists and the wall and the wall studs to support it. And that was a much neater, much easier way to get a nice clean new ceiling without all of the mess and the dust and the dirt and the debris. So is the lath and plaster somewhat intact, or is it all loose and falling off? What's the status of it right now? In some places where there was a water leak, um, the plaster wants to fall off, and then in some places it's not so bad. Well, if you were to put 4 by 8 sheets of drywall over that and, and screw the drywall in, it'll probably support any loose... Uh, lath or plaster that's there. And again, you won't have this big mess of having to tear it all down, which is an awfully big project because it's very heavy. You'll be shoveling it off the floor, putting it in trash cans, carrying those cans down, and you can't even fill up the cans because it's it's too heavy to lift them. So it's a big stinking mess. And if you could uh, apply some drywall to the ceiling as it is now and attach through that drywall into the ceiling joist, it should support the old lath and plaster and give you a nice clean surface uh, to start with. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Well, you're very welcome, Wendy. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Okay. So we've all been there. You want a gorgeous, fresh, new color for your walls, but the idea of all that paint prep is just turning you off. Well, embrace it because the time you put into the prep makes all the difference when it comes to the quality of the finished paint project. Now, the first step is to remove all the outlet covers, the switch plates, and other fixtures, and then tape off the trim. Now, you need to lay down drop cloths, and while it might be tempting to go with the inexpensive plastic sheeting, canvas is much better. Here's why. The plastic doesn't absorb the paint, so you might end up tracking it around the room or worse yet, out into the finished part of the house. And the sheets are also too thin, so the drips can sometimes bleed through. Next, you want to check out the walls and look for any damaged areas. We're talking about spots like where nail holes were, for example. And then you need to patch them. Now, when it comes to wall repair, there is a product from Red Devil that can help save time. It's called Red Devil One-Time Patch and Prime. And you can patch dents and dings and prime the wall all in one step. It's basically a lightweight pre-mixed formula that will allow you to fill those holes in one application, no shrinking no sagging and one time patch and prime will dry super fast and it's ready to paint in minutes and you can use it outside or in it's not going to shrink or crack and it cleans up easily with water it also works on plaster drywall stucco wood and even particle board and here's something that's kind of cool the tub is square and if you've ever tried to work with a material like that the tubs are usually round and of course you can't really get a good application of the product on your putty knife. This is a lot easier to use with that putty knife. In fact, each pint-sized tub of Patch and Prime comes with a free putty knife, so it's totally ready for your next spackling job. You can visit saveonreddevil.com for more info and for some special offers. That's saveonreddevil.com. Doug and Iowa's got a wallpaper question. What can we do for you today? My parents live in a... Um uh, old Victorian mansion, southwest Iowa, built around 1919. And um, this is not original wallpaper, but it's start, starting to kind of peel away from the top of the uh, uh, roof line, uh, the ceiling line. And I didn't know what was a good way to, I guess, re-adhere that to the wall. I mean, um, and what would you recommend? So it's just where the top section of the wallpaper meets that wall ceiling joint. Correct. 
Hmm. Now, does it seem like it's happening all across the entire wall, or is it just a piece here and there? Is it just at corners? What What's the situation? Pretty much just this one, um, well, these two strips uh, meet, and I'm not sure, you know, why uh, it was why that occurred there, but uh, the wallpaper is just starting to peel back a little bit. Okay. Well, there is a glue that you can buy, and I, I want to say it's called Seam Fixer or Wallpaper Seam Fixer, and it's sort of like a bottled version of wallpaper paste, and it really is the best solution that I've seen for smaller fixes of wallpapering. Um, I just recently used it because my four-year-old has become fascinated with our foyer wallpaper <laughs> and has started to peel at areas. And uh, as much as I love them, I'm like, dude, let's not do this. And it really does seem to do the trick. Yeah, that sounds great. I'll, I'll look into that. All right. Well, good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Tommy in Nebraska, you've got the Money Pit. How can we help you today? My question concerns my dryer. I moved into a house that had the washer and dryer already here in my laundry room. And when I was cleaning back behind the dryer, um, the dryer hose is aluminum type, and it's attached with tape, obviously not done correctly. And what I want to know is, what would you recommend? Is there a better um, dryer vent hose or a tube of some kind? It's a fairly short distance from the wall to the dryer. If it's uh, the flexible aluminum hose, mm-hmm. then that you, I would probably go ahead and, and put that back in. If it's vinyl, I would not, but you're sure it's aluminum, right? It is. It's like shiny aluminum foil. And that's the one that you want there because that's heat resistant. Oh, you do. Okay. Rather than the white vinyl, it's better than the white vinyl. Right. Because the white vinyl could overheat and potentially cause a fire hazard. So the aluminum one is great because it won't hold on to all of that heat. Now the question is, where does your dryer hose vent to? Does it go to the outside? Has it been cleaned in a while? You know, these are all maintenance things that you need to be doing for your dryer. Right, Leslie. And that's what I wanted to do because I am so afraid of fire hazards. Mm -hmm. But okay, so I need to detach it and it is vented to an outside uh, vent. So what you should do is get a a dryer vent cleaning brush. There is uh, one that's available online called the Gardas Lint Eater. Leslie and I both have one of these brushes. They're really cool. They're like brushes on the end of fiberglass rods and you stick them into a drill and just spin them into the vent. And go back and forth and pull them out, and you'd be amazed uh, how much dust comes out of those things. So that's one. I'm sure you could probably find it at a home center and a hardware store as well. But a, a dryer duct cleaning brush is uh, is what you really need for that. Okay. And then when I reattach that hose to the to the vent and then to the dryer, obviously I don't want to use tape, which is what they've used. There's a big bracket that. Uh, is sort of like a clamp that fits around that, and it goes over the hose, and the so- hose goes over the vent, and then it all sort of screws together. And I'm sure you could also find those at a home center or a hardware store. No, you should definitely not tape it together. I will do that. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. Still ahead, don't share your home with pests for the winter. We're going to teach you how to stop bugs that head indoors this time of year from making themselves comfortable in your house.
Money Pit is brought to you by Plastics Make It Possible, reminding you that October is National Energy Awareness Month. From plastic foam insulation to LED light bulbs, products made with plastics help you save on energy bills in your home and contribute to sustainability year-round. For more information, visit PlasticsMakeItPossible.com. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Well, as the weather cools down and you get ready to hunker down for the winter, so do the pests that need a warm place to spend colder months. You know, rodents like mice and rats, they can actually carry dozens of diseases that can be transmitted to humans. So here to tell us how to prevent and control a rodent infestation is Greg Bauman from Orkin. He's the VP of Training and Technical Services. Welcome, Greg. Well, thank you very much. All right. So now, how easily really is it for a rodent to get into your house? Well, it's it's pretty amazing. People think of rodents, and of course, they always think they're a lot bigger than they really are. But a rodent can get into a house with just a small opening, openings we might not even think about. I've heard comparison in size of an entry space to like a dime or a quarter. Well, there's a general rule of thumb. A rat can get into your house if there's an opening, the diameter of a quarter. A mouse can get into your house if there's an opening, the diameter of a dime. That's pretty amazing when you think about it. Well, and I guess if the conditions are right, if it's chilly outside and the weather's turning and inside seems all warm and cozy and you've got things that a rodent might find appetizing, they'll really find their way in regardless of the size, correct? Uh, that's exactly right. And, you know, they're looking for the same things that we are. A nice warm place, lots of food and something to drink as well. Now, besides the ick factor, it, I mean, it truly is a health concern if you get rodents into your home, correct? Well, most people think of mice as a bit of a nuisance and maybe even cute. You know, so many times they think of the, the mice we see on television and cartoons and what have you. Oh, it's uh, Mickey Mouse. Yeah, Mickey Mouse, exactly. But you know what? Mice and, and rodents in general are pretty filthy. They can contaminate food. Uh, they can spread disease because, you know, they, they're not very choosy about where um, they they leave their droppings and, and little gifts for us. And so they can also um, harbor ticks and fleas, and these can transmit disease as well. In fact, rodents were a key factor in the plague of the 14th century, where probably about a third of Europe was decimated. Mm-hmm. So really, what can you do to sort of stay ahead of this as we're entering the colder temperatures? You know, what can we do to prep our house to keep these guys out? Well, there are a couple things that can be done. I, I think it's really important to try to prevent them from getting in the first place. So view your house or your apartment as a fortress. You want to seal all cracks and crevices, any place that could gain entry. You want to keep those windows closed. You know, as the weather gets a little bit cooler, you might want to open the window, make sure you have a screen on or some way to prevent rodents from getting in. And if you have a garage, want to make sure that you keep your grass seed or dog food or cat food in plastic containers because these are just big buffets for rodents. Now, if you do have a rodent infestation or even a sign that you've got a rodent or two in your home, what really can you do about it? Well, first of all, as we say with most pests, just relax. Take a deep breath. It's it's going to be urgent, but it's not an emergency that has to be dealt with this very instant. What you want to do is get a confirmation. For example, we at Orkin would send somebody out, inspect the area, and find out for sure if you do have a rodent or if you just have some sort of dirt. And sometimes um, there could be some residual left from fly or just dirt in general that might not even be rodents. So the most important thing is find out if you do, in fact, have a rodent infestation. And at that point, 
you want to decide the best way to address it so you don't have many rodents because they can reproduce very quickly. Well, Greg, thank you very, very much. I've conducted my portion of this interview while standing on my chair because you've thoroughly <laughs> grossed me out. <laughs> I just want to mention real fast that we've got a podcast series available at orkin.com and moneypit.com, and we've got a new pest control topic featured each month, which gives you practical advice and tips for homeowners. So really a good source of information. I want to thank you, Greg Bauman from Orkin, for joining us today. It's my pleasure. Up next, we're going to help you get probably one of the messiest spaces in your home organized, the garage, when we come back. The Money Pit is presented by Diamond Crystal Salt. The benefits are bigger than you expected. After all, you're worth your salt. Diamond Crystal Salt. A brilliant choice since 1886. You live in a Money Pit. The Money Pit is brought to you by Liquid Nails. For tough jobs, demand the extraordinary strength of Liquid Nails brand heavy-duty construction adhesive. It bonds a wide range of materials, indoors and out, for a job done once done right. Learn more about Liquid Nails brand heavy-duty construction adhesive at liquidnails.com. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And the number is one eight 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 money pit We'd love to talk with you about your home improvement project. Plus, we'd love to give you a $100 gift card to the Home Depot, which has been provided to us courtesy of Owens Corning. And you can use it to get started on an insulation project. Adding attic insulation is one of the cheapest and easiest ways to cut energy costs this winter. And most of you listening right now probably don't even have enough attic insulation to begin with. Get started with EcoTouch by Owens Corning today. It's made of 99% natural content. Visit homedepot.com slash insulation for how-to videos and Owens Corning product info. And give us a call right now at 888-MONEYPIT for the answer to your home improvement question and a chance to win that $100 gift card from the Home Depot. Tracy in New York's on the line with a gutter question. How can we help you with this project? I'm thinking about getting gutters uh, put on my house, but I'm not sure what I need to know um, and what I should ask when I have uh, the, the contractors come over um, to do the quote. All right. So you have no gutters right now? That's correct. Okay. So here's a couple of things to think about. First of all, what you want are seamless gutters. So the way they're made is the contractors come out and the gutter material is actually in a sheet stock and it's on, it's on a roll of roll of metal and they run it through a forming machine that actually creates the shape of the gutter. In this way, they can make the gutters the exact length that you need for the different sections of your house. Now, the number of spouts that you put in the gutter is important because you don't have you want to have less than six to eight hundred square feet of roof surface per spout, or the gutters will back up and get overwhelmed. So pay attention to that. Also think about where the downspouts come down. You don't want them dumping water right at the corner of the foundation because that will collect there and it can soak in, it can weaken the foundation, it can flood a basement or crawl space. Just generally a bad idea. So you want the downspout to extend at least three to four feet away from the foundation. If you had a water problem, I'd tell you to take it out further. 
but um, if you don't have a problem, at least three to four feet out. So if you have, you know, one downspout and you have a, if you have one section of gutter and you have a choice as to whether the downspout's on the left and the right, use your head about thinking about that. You know, don't bring it out near a walkway or something like that. Bring it out on the opposite side uh, of the house. Now, the other thing to think about is gutter guards, whether or not you want to put them in or not, because when you get gutters, you're going to get the need to clean those gutters. And there are such a wide variety of gutter guards that are available today. The kind that seem, in my experience, to work the best are those that work on surface tension. So these have sort of a, uh, a complete cover to them, and the leaves will wash over them, and the water hangs this cover or maybe goes through some louvered slots and falls into the gutter. So think about that. Check out with the company whether or not they offer a gutter guard option at the time uh, of the installation. And this way you can get it sort of all done at the same time. Uh, And then one other trick of the trade is that before you attach these to the house, do you know if the fascia is wood right now or is it aluminum? What are you going to be attaching it to? Wood, I believe. So this is the perfect time for you to paint it. This is your one and only golden opportunity to put a couple of good coats of exterior paint on that because once that gutter is attached, you're never ever going to take them off or at least not for a heck of a long time. So get a couple of good coats of paint on that fascia now before you put the gutter on so that uh, it's protected. Okay. That's great. Thank you so much for your help. You're welcome. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEY-PIT. Well, fall is fully underway, and it's the perfect time to organize your garage. So the first step is to take stock of what you've got in there and what you'll be storing away for the cooler months. Do you have bicycles that are taking up space? Maybe you've got some off-season sporting equipment. What about folding chairs for the beach or the lake? Well, the best way to store those types of items is up. You need to look into suspended shelving that will keep off-season items out of the way and free up that valuable floor space. You could even consider hanging these items from some hooks on the wall. Now, if you've got kids, this is also a good time to go through all the gear to see what you can toss or donate. I mean, things like inline skates that are in bad shape or they don't fit any longer, helmets that don't fit, other protective gear. My gosh, we have got like two boys worth of uh, lacrosse gear that goes from, you know, age seven to age 18 and so much stuff that's time once in a while just to purge it right out. And I'm sure you've got stuff like that that you no longer use. Mm -hmm. Next, you need to decide where you want to store any lawn and garden equipment that you might be keeping in your garage. It's also a good time to get your garden tools clean, organized, and then stored up on a pegboard. You can keep your rakes and other fall tools handy. And it's a good time to think about getting your snow shovels and snow blowers ready to use. Lastly, make sure any hazardous materials like the icers, gasoline, oil, or lawn and garden chemicals are stored safely. You know, the garage is a space where you often have toys and toxins stored together, you need to keep them separate. So all of those chemicals should really be in a separate location or at least high, high, high up on the shelf where kids just can't reach. Now we've got Kirk in Georgia on the line who's working on a decking project. How can we help you today? We removed an old hot tub and um, relocated the new one to be on top of the deck at another level up toward the pool. But the old one is a hole um, on a big space of decking and what I was thinking about is how to best cover or repair that area. I've got old deck wood all around it, um, but it, it would be very expensive to replace the whole deck. Um, I'm trying to find a, a creative way to cover that back up and possibly build a bench um, 
you know, like against the wall of the fence that, that the hot tub was up against before. Okay, so the, the, the horizontal surface that has the hole, that portion of the deck, is that the entire deck or is that sort of one section? Is it, is it separated in any way from the rest of the deck? Yeah, it is. There's about a two-foot uh, span that was against the wall when, when the hot tub was there. You know, the top of the hot tub came in and it was all resting up against the one fence there. There's about three feet on one side that's got short little boards and then the big hole, and then uh, on another side that, that's adjacent to that one, there's two feet of, of decking. So basically it stands it stands on a different plane, so to speak, than the rest of the deck. Yeah, and to clarify, the part that has two feet is the long way, so those boards are, there's like three boards that make up that whole span, uh, and then the other one, there's a bunch of short three-foot boards, like 15 of them or so, that that make up that edge. Why can't you redeck just this one area, not the entire deck, but just the one area where the hot tub is? I, I absolutely can. It's uh, the, the other wood is older. It's been weather beaten. It was painted before I got there. I had to strip the whole thing. And of course, some of that wood, came, the soft wood came out, uh, but I, I sand belted the whole thing down and I got it to build fairly good. So there'll be a little difference, obviously, when I put in new wood, but that's, that was my plan. How do I, what do I do about the earth? Because there's about a, whatever, eight by eight foot span there where there's nothing that a hot tub was supporting everything. I'm wondering how do I support that now? Right. What you're going to have to do is you're going to have to build the understructure for that. So what I would do is I would add additional floor joists, so to speak, into that space. And the way you would attach those is with uh, Tico brackets or joist hanger brackets. These are these U-shaped big metal clips. They'll attach to uh, the beam that will be perpendicular to this, and that depends on what the shape is. But you'll get the beam in there. It'll be hung by these Tico brackets. And you're essentially going to sort of build the understructure like it existed at the beginning. Depending on how hard it is to get under there and work under there, you know, it might be a little bit tricky, but you will have to add those floor joists at either 16-inch or 24-inch centers, depending on what the top decking is. Is the top decking 2-by material or is it 5-quarter? It's 5-quarter. Yeah. Well, you you probably could get away with with having two-foot centers, but I generally like to put them in on 16-inch centers when it's five-quarter. And what I would think, what you might want to think about doing is restaining the entire deck, not just replacing it, but once you repair the section and kind of rebuild that one section, but you could restain the entire deck, and then it will be less obvious that that's a newer section. Appreciate the help. Thank you very much. Thanks so much for calling the Money Pit. Still to come, rolling pins, muffin pans, or shower curtain rings. We're going to tell you how these items and more can help you get your closets organized after this. You live in a Money Pit. The Money Pit is brought to you by the new Chamberlain MyQ Garage. When you forget, it alerts your smartphone so you can close your garage door from anywhere on most garage door openers. Coming soon. For more information, go to Chamberlain.com. Making good homes better. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Inviting you to check out the Money Pit's Pinterest page. We've got great ideas on everything from outdoor entertaining to energy efficiency, and it is seriously addictive. You can pin articles, blogs, and more from our website with the Pin It button, then share the pins or pin your own great ideas to our boards. Find it all on the official Money Pit Pinterest page. It's a great website, you guys. You're going to become full 
fully addicted. And while you're online, head on over to the community section of Money Pit and you can post your question there just like Barbara in Indiana did. And she writes, I have a fan in the over the stove microwave and it doesn't vent to the outside. Should it be vented to the outside? Well, generally those built-in exhaust fans and microwaves will either work as recirculators or as a fan that's direct vented to the outside. It's always better to have your kitchen exhaust fan vent to the outside if it's possible. But it's not always possible, like, for example, when the range is on an inside wall. If the range is on an outside wall with the microwaves on an outside wall and you can have it modified to vent outside, you'll find that it works a whole lot better. Either way, make sure you keep that filter clean. Those filters do build up grease quite quickly, and they can become a fire hazard if you don't. Yeah, and some of them can easily be cleaned by, you know, simply removing them. If they're metal, you can actually even pop those in the dishwasher or just clean them with, you know, a warm, soapy water solution. You just have to make sure that you replace the filter if it's one of those carbon-based ones with the correct one or just clean the one you have properly. Next, we've got Joe in Texas who writes, I want to replace my roof but need one that will stand the dry Texas heat. What do you suggest? You know, any roof that you install, any modern roof today is going to be fine for Texas. But what I would tell you to focus on, Joe, is the ventilation of the attic space underneath the roof. If you've got good ventilation, in other words, if you've got continuous soffit vents, continuous ridge vents, that air is going to enter at the soffits right up under the roof sheeting, cooling the roof as it does and exhaust at the ridge vent. That kind of ventilation is really going to be the difference between a roof that lasts 10 years and one that can last 20 or 25. All right. Good advice. Well, fall is a good season for closet cleaning, but if you've got a lot of accessories, it sometimes can be hard to find places to keep all of that organized. The solution might be to repurpose some of your common household items. Leslie explains how in today's edition of Leslie's Last Word. Did you know that you can use kitchen items to organize your bedroom closet? For example, a rolling pin makes a perfect bracelet or watch holder. Now you can use shower rings on a hanger for scarves, ties, or belts. And you can use muffin tins to store little trinkets like pins or earrings. Or, Tom, you could use them for cufflinks, tie pins, or even to sort spare change. Now those toilet paper rolls that you toss away are a perfect way to keep tights from getting snagged in your lingerie drawer. I had that problem all the time. Your tights get, you get your panties in a you know it really is for the ladies storing tights and pantyhose is kind of a pain in the butt they take up a lot of space they're really delicate so this is a great way to store them safely you just push them right inside the toilet paper tube and then you can label the outside of them and for the dudes you can also do this with socks to avoid you know that one navy one black sock problem which i'm not going to say doesn't happen it does happen and finally, a cork board with some cute decorative pushpins is a great way to hang costume jewelry like necklaces, and it really makes them very easy to see when you're accessorizing for the day. Sounds like good ideas to stop getting your knickers in a knot. <laughs> <laughs> this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. Thank you so much for spending this hour with us. We hope we provide you the solutions for lots of your home improvement questions and do-it-yourself dilemmas. The show continues online right now now at moneypit.com. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. You live in a body pit. 
It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours, like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply.